Hello everyone, welcome back to our podcast of One's Own. We are Napier's FemSoc, the Feminist Society at Edinburgh Napier University. We are simply a group of wonderful like-minded people that like to educate themselves on different matters that affect all our lives. So two weeks ago we spoke about intersectional feminism and what it means to include intersectionality in our lives. So if you're interested in that, please do have a listen, but you don't have to listen to them in order. Today, following our session and social on Scotland's shame, misogyny, homophobia and racism, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Scottish identity and its relationship to race. So as it is Black History Month here across the UK, we've been looking at Scottish identity and how difference aligns with that identity or perceived identity. Mainly, we've looked at race and racism and how these elements align or fight against this idea of Scottishness. So before we begin, I'll just... Uh, I want everyone to give a little hi. You can unmute yourself and just say your name and that you're here. It's like a school roll call, so. Hi, this is Esther, I'm here. <laughs> nice one. Callum, are you here? Hi, I'm Callum, I'm here. Nice. Um, yeah, Aurora here as well. <laughs> wonderful, the whole exec is here. We're gonna have some fun. <laughs> So this is a really kind of very vague question, but hopefully it can start us off. Um, I wanted to think about more about Scottishness. So when I say Scottishness, what's the first thing that comes to mind? You know, two of our exec are um, European students, so um, not from Scotland or haven't lived in Scotland their entire life. So what did you think about Scottishness or Scotland before you came? like like I'll be totally honest like like my first like scottishness if i were to just say a word it would be like highlander it would be or like it would be like nice it would be like kilt you know what i mean like i'm mm. not like that was that's the immediate sort of uh, stereotype that would pop up when i thought about like when i pictured scotland before i moved here um, oh. So are you kind of disappointed when you... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I saw more kilts. Um, <laughs> no, but like, I I remember, I mean, uh, maybe I'll, I'll just start the conversation, but we'll go mm -hmm. around, do the rounds after. But um, I remember when I moved here, I really thought that, it, like, I kind of expected it to not be, to not be very stereotypical. I was kind of like, I was aware of the fact that I had a picture like a picture of um, Scotland as being maybe more stereotypical than it was. I was a bit, I don't know, I kind of uh, criticized my own uh, sort of prejudice. But then I came here and I remember there were a lot of things where I was like, oh, you know what, like I actually do see people walk around with kilts. And I realized that, you know, uh, it's, there's a lot, there's a very strong and, um, proud Scottish uh, identity that's, that I really noticed when I moved here, that I really like have a lot of respect for as well. Uh, so it's been both. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I would agree that the cultural image of Scotland is still very much alive. Even if we don't want to admit it, we are quite like heavy drinkers, love bagpipes, haggis, mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff yeah. that you see in movies. like. It's, they're not wrong. As much as we kind of hate it sometimes, they're not wrong. Um, 
Aurora, what was your sort of take on things? I mean, pretty much what Esther said, I think that's the general view you kind of see. I know this is going to sound awful to everyone Scottish, but Scotland was kind of just, not just kind of an extension of, like just a part of the UK. Like it wasn't really a separate thing that much in my head, the image of Scotland. It was like, it was the cooler England, <laughs> but not that much different. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it pretty much was Esther said was a kind of like Highlander thing and all the, I mean, realistically, I knew it would not have people running around on horses with kilts on in the middle of Edinburgh. Um, that's still kind of what Although my brain it does happen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, pretty, yeah, I know this is like a lot of blah, 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 but <laughs> to be fair, I did not think about it that much before I came here. Um, but as Esther mentioned, the Scottish like proudness, I don't know, like the pride in your in the, like Scotland is a lot more intense than what I expected. Not in a bad way, just generally. Maybe I'm not quite used to it. Germany is not very patriotic. <laughs> mm. Mm. No, I like that you called us the cooler England. I think that could be our next, um, you know, if we get independence, we could have that as our slogan. That's interesting. Um, Callum, you've moved to Scotland, but you've been here for longer than um, Esther and Aurora. What did you kind of think about things? Uh, yeah, I've lived both in uh, England and Scotland. And so when we always said there's like how uh, Scotland just seems like England, but a bit different. There's some truth to that. Uh, I'd say there's a, there's a lot of differences, but there's also a lot of similarities. So overall, I'd say it's quite different. But yeah, when it comes to Scotland, most you think of is like kilts and haggis and Highland dancing and all that. Oh, so the cultural image is, yeah, maybe the kitschy stuff is what is the only thing that defines us from England. That, like, so, I'd say with, I would say with, like, food, especially haggis and just kind of small differences like that, there's some difference in than in England and being unique mm. to Scotland. Yeah, unique is a good word. It's <laughs> like no one else wants this or knows about this but that is like <laughs> so, that's yeah, really yeah. true like it is unique i think one thing that i like them has stood out for me when it comes to like what scottish identity comes across as and i remember saying this to a lot of my friends and family at home just after i'd moved over that i was kind of like they were like oh how is it and everything like is it a lot different um and there is a sense of obviously I've not lived in that many places in my life but what I what I thought when I moved here was that um, there's a certain uh, level of self-awareness and self um, you know kind of pride in the cultural like the cultural identity of Scotland which is not necessarily present everywhere else like I could compare the social cultural climate and traditions of Scotland and Sweden, for example. And there are definitely cultural practices and traditions that are very typically Swedish, but there are also like more uh, discrete ones that people maybe not really think about as much. Whereas here, it's I, I find it's a more aware and conscious kind of carrying of the culture. 
and a lot of pride in it. Like it's a it's a culture where people uh, are not. I'm I mean I'm generalizing, but this is like what this is how it's come across to me over the past few years when I've been here is that there's a lot of there's a lot of joy as well and there's a lot of um like honoring culture and uh um like not being afraid to sort of um make a joke and take the piss out of themselves but also still with a lot of warmth and pride you know what i mean yeah yeah i can definitely um align with that that makes a lot of sense and i think our cultural like existence is so powerful that it sometimes feeds into political stuff because I can agree there's not I mean I've lived in Scotland all my life um have stayed a few months at a time in other places like Northern Ireland and um been to England like a little bit and I can and from those experiences I can definitely agree that Scotland is unique they really we I don't know like our identity is so strong and I don't know if it's because I've been here longer and I'm so immersed in it but you go over to like Northern Ireland and they have a a massive like cultural and political vibe that is very different to the rest of the UK but the culture you know it's so embedded in one another whereas Scottish culture is so unique but it does bleed into political stuff and I've heard that um some people compare Scotland to Scandinavian countries quite a lot politically, which is very interesting. When you that think is really of, interesting. Um, Scottishness, um, just political now, um, is seen as like so left-leaning and so liberal and leftist compared to the rest of, I don't know, Europe or maybe not Europe, but the UK specifically, i.e. the UK government. So it is interesting I think yeah there's a lot of sort of pro-independence people saying we could be like Sweden or we could be like whatever mm-hmm. and I think that could be very hard because you know we've got the, the Scottish tail at the end of it it's going to be quite yeah. hard all very interesting so yeah we'll get into politics a wee bit later because I can't go 10 minutes without um complaining about it so that's um, <laughs> love it yeah I was oh yeah I was going to mention like the overlap between the cultural and political side of Scottishness is the damage or dangers of Scottish nationalism and we talked a little bit about that I think in the media club this idea that in the future if slash stroke when there is an independence a new independence debate or the possibility of Scottish independence like what will that mean for um minority people in Scotland you know this risk of us being very closed off when you think of nationalism if you think of American nationalism right away your brain goes to like Trump and really you know close the borders build the wall and all that sort of stuff when you think of Scottish nationalism it's very much oh breaking off from the UK rejoining the EU all these this narrative about freedom and all this sort of stuff so two very different types of nationalism, but essentially they mean the same thing. They're kind of honing in on this all for one, one for all sort of ideology. And as our conversations have aligned the past few weeks, when you put racism into this and the experiences of black people in Scotland, how are they going to be affected by this sort of approach with the idea that Scotland, if it's going to be Scotland is for Scots only, will that mean that 
non-white Scots are going to be affected? You know, have has anyone, I guess it depends how sort of like into the debate you are or into the news that you are, have you heard of these kind of experiences or problems coming through? Um, like, unless anyone else wants to go, I can go. <laughs> uh, definitely have, and some of the content of it, like, I definitely have heard of uh, this um, issue, like identity issue, uh, and, and you know, political issue, but also the, it was mentioned in some of the content from the media club as well, uh, how difficult it can be when, I mean, you could have lived here all your life, be a, a Scot, but um, but have heritage from elsewhere. If you have, if you are, if you are black, or if you are um, Asian or minority ethnic, like in any other sort of non-white Scot, uh, it will be a very different experience because there is still the mentality of othering people that don't look like they've lived in a place for since the beginning of time, you know? And I think um, specifically when it comes to the sort of national, Scottish nationalism and independence um, drive, uh, it's there are amazing things that could come from independence, but certain aspects of uh, far sort of, um, you know, extreme patriotism or nationalism, um, that like if you think back to it the last time Scotland was independent was early 1700s, if I'm right, or, you know, um, which is a long time ago. So what what happens if independence would be gained? Like, would that be in a, you know, sort of nostalgic regression type way that would harm minorities that were maybe not a part of the com community and culture at, at, at that point? Or would it be a future... Uh, oriented new type of like a new emerging diverse Scotland that would be on the table do you, if that makes sense yeah I definitely think there's people that believe that this is going to be a new start or a new sort of I don't know beginning for Scotland but then others think well we're doing so great in other aspects you know let's just continue that um, in a democratic fashion. I spoke in the session, the difference between, you know, this idea of Scotland being free and independent in its own, and then there's the idea of Scotland being cut off from the UK, you know, away from their colonisers. We, we've, you know, fought for this freedom, like, really dramatically. And they, uh, they compare it to, like, the fight for Irish freedom, which I don't think you can really align in the same sort of way. Um, and going back to, you know, kind of Scotland's identity now or the way that maybe Scotland wants to be identified is this really open and inclusive space. You know, I remember through in Glasgow, there's these classes that um, refugees can come into and learn Scottish slang and learn English and all these sorts of things. There's like all these beautiful things happening, but on the other hand, you know, refugees aren't treated that kindly, systematically, yep. systemically, systematically. On the front, you know, we always say Scottish people are very welcoming, but is the government that way or is, you know, the society as a whole that way? And other people may think, well, 
we want to be better and do better, but we just can't because the UK won't let us. So at what point can we hold ourselves or how can we hold ourselves accountable for what we've actually been doing and what we're responsible for? You know, do you guys think that um, Scotland is sort of inclusive in that way or, you know, how, how can it be better? Ah, Big question. I think it's... <laughs> You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Calmore Aurora go first because I felt like I've talked a lot, but I have something to say if there. Um. Yeah, well, uh, it's a matter of like what I mean by inclusion and all that. Like you say, like they teach uh, English lessons to refugees. It's one thing like letting like refugees and other people into a country, and it's another thing like actually accepting them or, uh, you know, like not denying their identity as a Scottish person. Uh, it's kind of like echoed in the media club as a difference between uh, inclusion and assimilation and all that. So, yeah. on the aspect of like, I don't know, like encouraging people to come to Scotland, I would say, yeah, this is that openness of like, we want more people, maybe from a policy level, but rather we like actually accept these people and uh, their identities and cultures. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, and the sort of, you know, reason for doing it, it's like, do we actually want to be more inclusive or do we just want to look better and, I don't know, better, cooler than England, as Aurora points out? I mean, I think there's a, a very important distinction to make between what type of inclusivity is sort of um, focused on in, in Scotland. And I do feel like if you're looking at universities and especially in the student body of the city in, of Edinburgh, but you know, in general, and there are so many internationals coming into Scotland to study, for example. Um, and I do feel like the coming in from abroad, being like from not being a Scot, I've not personally um, felt excluded in any way, felt pretty embraced and very much, you know, become a natural part of the um, social systems that I've ended up being in, whereas I feel like that experience would probably, is, you know, bound to be very different for someone who is not white, uh, for example. And I think that's an important distinction to make. There can be openness in trying to get people from different various backgrounds in, but then in fact, when it happens, um, the, you know, rife systemic prejudices and, and uh, discrimination that that exists within us all and when it, within the, the systems um, still going to create a different experience for, for white or um, people of color. Yeah, I would agree with Esther. I personally have felt very like part of Scotland but also I am very white and um, I've like my appearance just blends in with Scottish people so it's not like you see from the outside that I don't actually come from Scotland so I would probably assume that the experiences are very different for people who as Esther mentioned like um, whose appearance like black or Asian minorities who would not fit the air quotes you know typical idea of Scotland so I would assume they'd probably be more of a target of national or like more people with more like strong national ideas. But my own personal experience was like more um, 
nationalist groups. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, but like more, I don't, I don't want to call them more right. But that's my experience in Germany, like national group, like nationalist groups are usually more towards the right, which means as like even an immigrant in Germany, I've always felt more apprehensive. I don't really want to associate with them because mm. you might not notice from appearance or from speech, but from my surname, you immediately know I'm not actually, you know, native in the country. Um, so I think that was also my first experience with like the SNP was when I went to this NUS conference thing and there was this one little table with the SNP and I remember how we were like immediately a bit more apprehensive of them because we're like, oh no, like they're more like, you know, like more like national identity or like, let's not do that. Um, looking into it now, I'm like, obviously the SNP is not just all that. I'm sure there's probably people who are more nationalist, but the general image of Scotland that I've personally experienced has been, as you, I don't remember who mentioned it before, just the wanting to be distinct and like independent from England more than actually wanting to get rid of non-Scottish people. Yeah, I think it's so true that the, the differences in our blood, you know, even in the same straits of, you know, people that want independence or followers of the SNP or whatever, you'll still have that divisiveness in there, the people that want it for this reason or that reason. Um, I've mentioned it a few times, but I've, I grew up in a really sectarian area of Scotland and it is so interesting to see like two sides of one religion, although it is more than a religion, like a culture almost there, seeing, wanting the same things, but doing it in such a different way. You know, there's, and how that actually pairs off into other ideologies. So you'll have we used to always think, oh, if you supported this football team, that that meant you were not as welcoming to refugees, that you loved the Queen, that you did this, that you did that. And then if you um, supported the more like nationalist side, that meant that you were more inclusive, that you wanted freedom, that you wanted this, and that um, you know nothing could harm you. And I would say that this nationalist side, those are typically the more people that like to say, you know, that they are the oppressed ones, that they have experienced the most discrimination in Scotland because of their beliefs. And that was something that we spoke about and that I kind of wanted to move on to was the idea of Scotland's sort of victim complex. This idea that we can't possibly be offensive to a group of people or we can't, you know, we are the oppressed ones, we can't experience it the same way you know we're yeah we're not the colonizers we're the colonized yeah exactly so um you know we don't mind if immigrants come in because we are immigrants too or we felt like immigrants even so we understand um but at the same time we'll use a racial slur in that sentence so it doesn't always match up um ever actually it's quite interesting this and to go forward yeah just talking about Vic. sorry esther go on no, no, sorry, I was interrupting you. But the, the the victim complex, I think, is like a crucial aspect of, um, like that has to be sort of reckoned with in order to move forward, um, and like sort of owning up to the history that is maybe being erased or not uh, focused on that history has got, um, does not take away from the fact that yes, Scotland's been colonized and has been oppressed, but 
I think when you look back at, in, at history, a lot of these things happened at the same time. So if you look at, like, you know, Scotland being colonized by England coincides around the same time frame as the UK um, colonizing Africa and, uh, you know, um, extracting vast amounts of money and wealth from the plantations there. Yeah, and, and, that include, and, that, and that and that includes Scotland. So like Scotland was under under colonial like what what was colonized by England but at the same time colonizing Africa. And yeah. forgetting that piece of it when looking back at history is uh, detrimental. Like that that is what makes it impossible to kind of move forward, I think. Yeah, I'm um, not saying it's impossible. I'm saying that that's what has so far <laughs> made yeah, it yeah, difficult. Exactly. And throughout that, no, you know, all those things that Scotland experienced, it had it never, ever had anything to do with race at any point. So whenever people bring that up as a comparison to like racism in Scotland, blows my mind because there was never any moment in time when Scotland was oppressed for. Um, for being white. Yeah, for being white. And it's like, it's not the same. Okay, yeah, sure, they, you know, stole our language or whatever, but that doesn't mean that we can be racist now. And mm. yeah, I remember obviously back in uh, when George Floyd um, passed, was killed by police, and then the protests were going on around the world, and a lot of people were saying the UK is not in innocent. It was a really big. Um, I think sort of campaign and project and seen a lot of posters um, that sort of fueled some people to say like to the, in the Scottish nationalist movement to say like yeah I mean look at us we're still colonized so of course they're not innocent despite the fact that Scotland played a instrumental role in the slave trade profited off it probably more than any other European country especially in the UK at least so yeah to know all that and then still think oh no we're yeah we're we're the worst off or one of the worst off it kind of it blows my mind yeah and also the danger in saying that maybe had we not been colon had scotland not been colonized they wouldn't have partaken in colonizing africa that's something we would never know uh, you know that those are because those are that's a different, you know, dangerous avenue that you can walk down and say, well, maybe it wasn't our, maybe we didn't initially, like, you know, if if it was it was the English that colonized Africa and we sort of did it because we were oppressed by them. You know what I mean? Like that's a sort of blame game that doesn't either serve any purpose. Yeah, there's there's like the step up of, oh yeah, it was the UK that done it, not us. We are oppressed by them, and then it was, well, we had to do it. We were forced to. Um, yeah, and it just it gets worse. There's no way that you can. I mean, essentially, you can't rewrite or you know erase history that way because it happened, and it's a very uncomfortable history to come up to, I suppose. But I mean, pretending that it didn't happen or blaming other people is just not the way to go about it. No. And uh, you know, I think in order to like if acknowledging that this is what we talked about in the media club as well and sort of arrived at um i think it was matthew essentially that said it but then we all kind of you know 
we agree on it, obviously, is that education is the way forward. Like we have to uh, bring the past into the light, you know, talk about what actually happened. And and that includes all of the, the uh, you know, guilt and like the actual the actual rightful blame, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and have that be part of education so that we can move forward. And we were talking about, um, like, how can you say that that Scotland did not um, partake as badly as England in in colonizing Africa when the streets and the monuments all around us are named after slave owners and and there's still financial you know transactions happening to, related to that time today you know tax paying money and it's uh, it's wild because it still exists like it, it, that is still in circulation yeah the education point is so important and it is almost strange that it hasn't been pushed on more because as a country who is seemingly so proud of our culture and history and politics when these matters come up we 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 whitewash it we scottish wash it in a way and any mention of you know like slavery or um black history it's always it's not our fault we look outwards we look over america who had really who has the awful history or england which quote started it question mark so at what point or how on earth can we take that and then teach forward yeah i mentioned that you know scotland we are oh yay so progressive because we are going to be the first country in the world to initiate lgbt history into the curriculum and that is so amazing and so fantastic, fantastic. and it's absolutely amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's I don't, and I don't think we'll realise it until it's actually put into the curriculum next year. But it's been such a long time coming, and people say, "Oh well, we tried to do it so long ago, but we can't because, you know, we don't have our democratic freedom in that way." Blah blah blah. But it doesn't matter. It's finally here, eventually, and yeah, it's gonna I think be such a, a game changer for children growing up with that seeing themselves represented or seeing that history so why can't we have black history in the curriculum that way I think has been asked a lot this year yeah and I think that's something that Asina said as well in the media club that um there's it doesn't help us to expect to see change within the next 5 10 20 years that will be revolutionary I mean I, I'm confident that if, if sufficient action, action is taken that we will notice change but you know on a systemic level it will be it, it will take time and that's and that is, that is exactly why we have to start doing it right now because we have no time to lose we have to start with a younger generation that will grow up and there's the we did talk a little bit about it in the in the media club the kind of generation turnover and how important that is uh like not to sound uh, you know too depressing but 
when older generations with outdated values and in a like unwillingness to change their minds pass away that it, it comes in phases you know progression there it's in waves so the turnover of a generation brings with it more noticeable change i believe yeah i also from like a purely sociological perspective <laughs> It's also like, while maybe someone might not have experienced like outright direct racism that way, the small systemic things are still there, like looking at um, socioeconomic status. Uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I can't say I've looked properly into um, socioeconomic areas in Scotland, but I'm pretty sure if you would look into it, poorer areas will probably be working class and minorities. Um, same with, as we had mentioned before, education, but also how many black professors do we have? Um, all those kind of, how many black or Asian CEOs, also, all those things are things that also matter. But as you said, that's, they're all, usually, like often older people in politics, in companies who are the people who should like push for that change, but because they do have usually, I would say probably the outdated opinions. They, are not going to push for that. So until we actually get someone in the position who will push for it, it's probably going to happen rather slow. Yeah, because now, as it is, I fully agree, a hundred percent. And I think it, this was also raised in the media club that what comes with this is uh, so much, especially for uh, minorities that are suffering right now, but also for people that do want change, uh, because. It is not accessible in in uh, school education and you know general social education. It, it falls on the individual to self-educate, and it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of resources. You have to be even aware of the fact that there are things to learn that you don't know about. You have to have like it's a privilege to be able to self-educate on these things, like we're doing in the society, and you know. Uh, I think that's a really, really important aspect of it, especially this summer with the 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 momentum of of Black Lives Matter. There's been so much, you know. Take the time and educate yourselves, and and this message is only reaching the people that have the time and resources to access that kind of information. And then there's a whole lot of people that don't have access to those resources and are not getting educated in that way as well either. So, you know, I think that's an important point as well, the class divide. Definitely. Yeah. And sometimes it felt, I guess, more on maybe like social media over the summer where there were so many resources being shared, which was great. You know, it made everything else more, a little bit more accessible, but sometimes the message didn't go beyond that. It didn't go beyond this like the echo chamber because it's very common you know if you follow loads of feminists around you loads of like-minded people around you of course you're going to see that message and you're going to think oh this is great more people are talking about it but in actuality if you're not maybe speaking to your racist grandfather that's not going to end implementing that change it's not really going to affect that side of things so it's it's kind of hard to to gauge if you know hopefully this is all not you know not for naught yeah 
I think, you know, having conversations like this is really, really important. I that's it's it's one where one one place where they need to happen, these conversations. Yeah, and we're all students, I guess, so it's 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 easy, I guess, to you can look at your professors, you look at the material you're, that you're reading, no matter what side um, you know, subject area you're in, you can see elements of racism or discrimination happen and you can start to question like why am I not learning for instance with me why was I not learning a post-colonial uh, module why was I learning this from a white woman and not from someone who has experienced or has a lived experience or lived knowledge of these areas and you know why are they teaching me in such a way that I'm only hearing the winner's story yeah so I I mean there there are some positive there, there are positive things happening as well you know people do care we're having this conversation and um I'm uh, I'm in a group Call, it's a branch actually of it's a, of a political organization called Stand Up to Racism. It's a UK wide organization, but this is the Scottish branch. Branch so it's one specific for Scotland, and um, there are you know even more specific branches like Edinburgh specific, for example. Um, so it's just you know engaging in more type like grassroots type activism, like specific instances that are reported or found out. And then local protesting or campaigning for that. So you know, there's stuff going on. They've got a page, Facebook page that I can recommend you guys check out. Just stand up to racism dash Scotland. They're against uh, any form of racism. They also defend migrant rights and uh, fight Islamophobia and anti-Semitism uh, and things like that. And they do some live streams as well online. Like I'm just saying this because and there are things happening and it's not like it's definitely possible to get more engaged even if you don't really know where to start that's awesome yeah um i think as we're coming up to time i guess what we could do is finish up by maybe mentioning um some sort of like anti-racist text or video or maybe something that we've learned recently that we'd like to share esther you've given yours but if you want to give another one at the end please do um one thing that I've done have I've listened to a lot more podcasts recently I used to not be able to like concentrate but maybe that's because I was listening to the wrong ones but I really like the Yikes podcast which is co-hosted by um Edinburgh based I think she's from England but she's now studying uh, medicine up in Edinburgh now Michaela Loach and they talk about loads of different stuff um you know, mainly like their experience um, working in the medical profession as a black woman and then re uh, talking about like coronavirus and the sort of overlap in racism there. And yeah, Black Scott Pod is another good one. Um, but if there are any more that come into my mind, I think I've already posted them on Femsoc Fam, but I'll be putting all the recommendations there for anyone that wants more. Um, does anyone else have some cool stuff yeah sure. i mean i uh, just the the stand-up to racism scotland is really good 
uh, or UK-wide, they do, you know, webinars and monthly sort of meetings with all the members. So they're actually really big. I've been to some that have been like 200 people in one Zoom call, you know, kind of get together to talk about what's going on, which is great. Um, and I think you actually shared one of the events that's, that's coming up Tuesday, next, uh, this Tuesday at 4 o'clock uh, by yeah, yeah. Girl Up Edinburgh and Black Ed Movement that is on black sexualization and sexual violence. So that's definitely super interesting and important. Yep. Yeah, the Black Ed Movement is definitely a good one to look into as well. Um, Aurora, Callum, do you have any? This is really putting you on the spot a bit. When people ask me things like this, I always forget. No, it's blank. Everything that I've ever watched, ever. Yeah, I can't personally say I have anything to add to it. Um, but I'm also very bad. Like I have so many things bookmarked or saved for later or in my Netflix list, and then I forget. <laughs> um, so, but also, I'm not quite, I don't think I have anything like concrete. I've been reading like a lot of stuff that I've seen, you know, come like, like posted online or something, but I wouldn't like concretely remember any text just now. So, probably nothing to add for anyone to go for. <laughs> That's fine. If you think of anything, you can add it to. Femsock fam, obviously. Many plug. Um, it's not exactly a podcast, but the Grapevine is a uh, kind of YouTube discussion panel, uh, hosted and like created by a uh, 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 black people in the USA. It's just kind of ranges from many topics concerning uh, issues black people face and. Uh, touches from uh, uh, hip-hop and misogyny and like also LGBTQ issues in the black community so that one's a very good like discussion show on YouTube. That sounds really good. <laughs> please please share that as well. Yeah. So yeah I really enjoyed this one this podcast. Very good was, yeah. I think it's been very fun. Um Esther, do you want to just finish by saying what we have on, I know next Tuesday at seven, we have our movie night with Queer Sock and Bane. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm looking forward to it so much. I think it's so, um, it's just really encouraging to be able to come together. We have so many, um, so many shared values and things in common, these three societies. So it's just a really really good way to come together so what we're doing is we're going to do a virtual movie night uh it is it's a movie screening of disclosure uh which is a netflix original movie on it's a documentary about the representation of trans you know trans representation in film and the history of it with quite kind of a sharp focus on specifically the erasure of black trans um, women and their um, their uh, what am I what am I saying I'm losing my words and their significance to the to, to the trans movement and also how how film and TV shape um, the, the kind of the activist landscape and public perception of the trans community. 
So that is looking forward to that a lot. We've got a discussion afterwards as well. So that would be super good. Yeah. And that's an event on Facebook called Black History Month Movie Night by, and you can find it through the events tab at our, on our Facebook page, Edinburgh Napier Feminist Society. Yeah, it just, uh, I just realized that it's going to fit really nicely into the guest talk next, the following Tuesday. Yes. With so Jamie. we're really, really looking forward to that as well. That will be a, a guest workshop. Um, it'll be a guest talk and discussion. Um, try to keep it interactive. It was meant to be in person, but considering the circumstances, it will be virtual. And we have the honor of inviting Trey Ventor, who's an anti-racist educator specializing in um, speaking to educational institutions and universities and students and staff uh, on Black history. And this talk is going to be focused on uh, Black history and specifically the erasure of um, black women's history. So we're going to tackle the the concept of misogynoir, which is sort of the intersection of racism and uh, sexism that that singularly affects black women. So that will be super interesting, and we're looking yeah. forward to that a lot. I know. I don't usually we don't usually you know promo stuff this early in advance, but I think we're all really excited and want. That one is definitely come, so. going to be, like, that's going to be the session of the, of the term for and sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if obviously all this kind of stuff will be posted on our social medias, we are at Femsock Napier on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, and Spotify. I think that's what our name is. But if you know, yeah, I mean, you're here, so you must know that. Now. Um, so yeah, any other stuff will be posted there. Yeah. And yeah, we will close up before we chat on because I think we could go on forever. And yeah. I was going to say it's late at night. It's not that late. It's just really dark at <laughs> stage. So it feels like midnight. But yeah, so I'll just let everyone say goodbye again. Be offered skill Zoom by as we do. And we will see you in the next or hear you. You'll hear us in the next podcast.